0: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Out to the Sprint Special guest line we go. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. How are you? What's going on, guys? Chris, of course, we always want to talk basketball with you, but uh, did you get a chance to catch the Super Bowl? What did you think?
1: I uh, had it on in the background. I, being honest, like the, the the amount of RAM in my brain doesn't allow me to process Super Bowls too much, uh, especially if I don't have any kind of vested interest in it. But the end of the game was cool. Watching Patrick Mahomes kind of take the mantle of uh, the next great player in the NFL, sort of seizing it in real time from Tom Brady was, uh, was kind of something to watch.
2: Chris, uh, speaking of uh, great players who have been uh, capable of putting up great performances, the Jazz got a real good look at Damian Lillard the other night, and I'm telling you, I I don't it, it, great players go through these times a little bit, but that kid is hot as 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 any I've ever seen. Uh, what do you make of that?
1: Yeah, I saw him play in L.A. against uh, the Lakers in that first game since Kobe's passing, and uh, I mean he was electric in that game. He was kind of lost in everything else that was being talked about that night, but he has been on just an absolute tear and. You know, you, in some ways, you feel bad for him because I don't think he's getting anywhere near enough help around him. And that Blazers team, the way it constructed, they're just not a contender uh, this year. And you know, I, I, every time you know Mario Wazonia blows a defensive assignment, I feel like a piece of Damian Lillard's soul dies <laughs> out there on the floor. But he, offensively, he's as good as they get this year in the league. I mean, he's making threes. You know, I saw the Lakers in that game pick him up at half court. Like that's how uh, much range he's showing this season. That that shot he made against Oklahoma City in the playoffs last year, that's kind of become the norm for him out there. So, you know what he's what he's doing offensively is just unbelievable.
0: Chris, uh, what did you think about the Jazz moving Mike Conley back into the starting lineup? They kind of eased him back into it after coming back from the the hamstring injury, but that lineup before was playing so well in that run we talked to you about. And inevitably, I think it needed to happen, but they kind of pulled the, the band aid off uh, the other night against Portland. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you had to do it. Um, you know, it was a smart move to ease Mike back into the rotation, but now that he's got his legs under him you've got to force feed him those minutes alongside Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and get that chemistry going. Because with as we've, we've talked about this a lot, a healthy Mike Conley is uh, you know, pretty much the only way the Jazz have a shot at winning the West. Simple as that. I mean, having him playing and, and playing at a high level is, is all they can do there. So I think it's the right move. It's certainly a risky move given how they're playing at this point. You don't want to disrupt chemistry the way it's going, but... The upside of Mike Conley as a starter is just higher than any other lineup they have right now.
2: So, Chris, the question that's been on our mind of late is the Jazz went out, they won 19-21 games, and now they've lost four straight. And there seems to be a trend forming here where perimeter great perimeter scorers and even just kind of good perimeter scores are punishing them. And sometimes they're drawing Rudy Gobert away from the basket, and Rudy can't cover everyone. He can't be everywhere. And the Jazz are losing these games. Is this something that you think can continue or will continue, or is this just a momentary blip? No, I I think it can continue because,
1: you know, every team's game plan is going to include some variation of pulling Rudy Gobert away from the basket. I mean, you know, when you were able to do that with a stretch five or a stretch four or whatever it is, uh, you're going to have a lot more success against Utah defensively. And I think that puts even more pressure on the guards, on Mitchell, to to get defensive stops. I mean, you're – you know, the Jazz, you know, when you have a player like Gobert, you're able to mask a lot of mistakes. And you're able to, you know, let your guards take chances and gamble a little bit more on the perimeter. The Jazz have got to be, you know, very tough on the perimeter and, and make sure they make their, their – uh, the opposing players work and not get past them in the paint so you can eliminate those types of – of situations, But, no, I mean, look, the short answer to your question is that, yes, you're going to see teams, as often as they can, try to pull Gobert away from the basket and, and keep those lanes open.
0: Chris, how active of a trade deadline are we headed for?
1: You know, it's, it, it's unclear at this point. Um, I don't see any significant names moved right now. I guess if you want to call Clint Compella a significant name, um, he could certainly be on the move. Right now, there are a lot of teams that I talk to that are looking to improve on the fringes. That could mean uh, a Robert Covington in, um, in Minnesota moving. I think he is very likely to move. But I don't think you'll see Kevin Love get moved for the deadline, which at this point is shocking. I mean, I, I think Kevin Love has to get out of Cleveland. And uh, if he stay ends up staying there, it could lead to a bad situation the rest of the year and into the off season. But I think you'll see teams try to pry Drew Holiday out of New Orleans. I'm not sure if that's going to work. Uh, you know, there are a lot of teams trying to trying to like upgrade at the seventh and eighth man slot, and you might see a flurry of deals there. But uh, I don't think you'll see any blockbusters before Thursday.
2: Have you heard anything about the Clippers? Because there's been rumors that they might be active.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Clippers' ooh, their biggest issue right now is that they've got that contract, the Moharkless contract, and a first round pick, uh, pick to trade. And they won't have a first-round pick to trade after this year until like infinity because of the deals they've made over the last uh, last year. So it, it's it, it's kind of burning a hole in their pocket in a way. Like they've got to make a move to to deal something like this. Now they've, they've talked to teams. They're looking to upgrade. I could see Dwayne Dedmon, Sacramento, being on their radar as a big man. I know they want to somehow pry uh, Andre Iguodala loose uh, from uh, uh, from Memphis. That's somebody's high on their their priority list, but. Uh, you know they, they've they're they're a team to watch for sure because that that contract of Harkless and that first round draft pick those are things that they are absolutely shopping pretty hard right now.
0: Chris Mannix is with us here on ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Uh, Chris, is there um, I, I guess is there a team out there that has to buy to make a move or is there a team out there that absolutely needs to sell?
1: Well, again, you'd like to see Cleveland, you know. Try to create a functional franchise. You know, right now they've uh, Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, who have been to finals, and you've got you know guys that can't play or guys that are younger um, as part of the roster. You've got to get a roster John Beilein can coach. You know, you know guys that that fit that mold. So that's a team I think that should be uh, selling. Boston I think is interesting because the Celtics, as you've seen reported today, they need a big man. They've known that for months, um, and Capella's is somebody they could get. I mean, they've got a treasure trove of draft picks still, as many as three. In this upcoming draft, and uh, look, they can't hold on to them. Like they, they can't keep hoarding draft picks and hope it turns into something. I mean, they've they've got to like roll the dice and and go out and get a guy like a Clint Capella who might make the difference this year. I mean, you know, if you're an NBA team this year, you've got to kind of look at this as the maybe the one open year because I, we we don't know what's going to happen with Golden State. Because I look at the Warriors, and a lot of teams look at the Warriors and they say you're going to have their guys coming back next year. You have D'Angelo Russell and maybe a top five pick to trade. They might be able to have a super team next year. And if, if that, if they can start a super team that keeps the window open for three years, what are we doing this year? So I think this is the kind of year teams should start to roll the dice and and go after guys and give up that, give up draft picks and and move pieces. Miami's in a similar situation. I mean, Miami's got some really nice young pieces, but if they could parlay those pieces for say Drew Holiday, they got to do it. I mean, this this to me could be the year that teams got to try to go all in because. I personally think Golden State is lurking as as a potential super team in waiting uh, if things fall their way next summer.
2: Chris, are teams tired right now? I keep reading that that that's a potential problem for this outfit and that outfit. I, are, are is that? Do you give any credence to that? Tired? How? With the, on the roster or just just that you know coming up on the All Star break and uh, they just need a break at this time in the season to get ready for what comes next.
1: Yeah, I mean, team-wise, it's always the case. Um, you know, you're you're well past the midway, the official midway point of the season anyway when you hit the all-star break. So, yeah, there, there are teams out there that are tired um, for sure, but that's not any more than usual, I guess I would say.
0: What do you think about Rudy and Donovan making the all-star team?
1: It's great for Utah and, and great for the Jazz to get that kind of recognition, and it speaks to the kind of, you know, second half of the first half of the season that they've had. I mean, they had some issues early on. But Gobert, as I don't need to tell you guys, has really come on defensively in the in the last uh, you know month or two. When Mitchell has reestablished himself as a top guy uh, in this league, I mean they they deserved it. And, and look, I know there have been some belly aching, too much belly aching, frankly, about some of these All Star slots. I mean, you know, James Jones releasing a statement about Devin Booker was really goofy. Now I, I'm reading all these these statements from you know agents or whatever about the Rising Stars competition. Like, who gives a damn about the Rising Stars competition? I mean, that's there's a lot of belly can going out there about all-star slots, but I thought the Jazz guys deserved it for where they are right now in the standings and how well those two guys have played.
2: Did you see Chris that video that Jackson Hayes put out? I mean, yeah. I mean, like, give me a break. Like, I, I mean, that's you got snubbed from the Rising Stars competition.
1: I mean, is that even a thing? Can you even be snubbed from the Rising Stars competition? It's just. It's just goofy. That's like, one of the things that you know a kid like Jackson Hayes, like five years from now, will probably look back on and say, damn, I wish I didn't do that.
2: Yeah, he apologized for it. But it was fairly aggressive. It took me by surprise Very. a little bit. But uh, are you in? I forget, Chris. We ask you this every single year. How into the all-star thing do you get? Not at all. If I wasn't forced to go, I wouldn't go. I would stay far,
1: far away and do something I like to do but rather than go to Chicago and, you know, watch two exhibition games on Saturday and Sunday.
2: And yet it's important from the standpoint – well, let me ask it this way. Is it important from a standpoint from a franchise like the Jazz to show that, hey, you can become an all-star by playing here? Does that make uh, any difference?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Like, I mean, you know, guys want recognition, and even though it's less justified now in kind of the – Social media age, where small markets don't exist in the same way they used to exist. I mean, now, now it's not so much about market size as it is about location. I mean, the reason that Miami is such an appealing destination, not because they're a, a bigger market than say Milwaukee, it's because their average temperature is like 30 degrees higher. That's that's the big reason. So, if you can, you know, for players, if you can show, if you're a franchise, you can show that you're able to you know, develop all-stars, you know, the way the Jazz have, uh, I think that's, that's certainly a feather in their cap when it comes to
0: recruiting guys in the future. Chris, thank you so much for jumping on with us. At all, as always, we'll catch you next week. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated.